coming in as a woman who is of the LGBT community. Uh, I recently turned 50. Like I've checked three of those boxes as far as, you know, as far as, you know, diversity, uh, you know, factors that um, I think are, are interesting to share. And, and some of those are obvious. Uh, I'm a woman, but some of those are not obvious, right? I would call this sort of those maybe invisible, um, you know, sort of diversity elements. And so I think sharing that and being authentic day one about who I am and my personal life and where I come from um, really sets the stage for everybody on the team to feel like they can also be vulnerable and that this really is a safe place. Welcome to The Get, the marketing talent podcast. This is your host, Erica Seidel. We explore what it takes to get and keep the best marketing leaders in the B2B SaaS world. Welcome to The Get. I'm Erica Seidel, and my guest today is Jenny Koop. Jenny is the VP of Global Revenue Marketing for Active Campaign, which is a SaaS company with a platform for customer experience automation. And Jenny has many accolades, so she's on the top 50 women in revenue that you should know list, and she's been included in the top 60 most influential marketing thought leaders list. Um, also, very impressively, she has had nine successful exits. I think most people are happy with one. Um, and I am super excited to welcome you to the show, Jenny. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Cool. Let's get started. So you are VP of Global Revenue Marketing, and you mentioned to me that you are helping to steer the diversity agenda of Active Campaign. So can you talk about, this is kind of a unique, you know, double role here. So can you talk about how a marketing leader can uniquely contribute to diversity initiatives for their company, as opposed to like what an HR person would do? Yeah, you bet. I think um, first and foremost, it's leading by example. And so coming into a new role and a new company, um, it's important to kind of understand uh, kind of what, what the state of the state is. And bring in some of your experiences and understand sort of where the company is in their evolution. And so as a, as the VP of marketing at Active Campaign, I'm in a leadership role along with other uh, folks. And really it's our, I think it's our responsibility to, to lead by example. And that means everything from hiring in a way that is diversity inclusive, um, also making sure that you yourself are engaged in key initiatives within the company. In our case, we have uh, what we call employee resource groups, which is really dedicated efforts within the company that require executive sponsorship and allow you in a leadership role to actually uh, own and drive key initiatives for the company. So, for example, I'm part of uh, what we call Actively Pride, which is our dedicated effort for uh, the LGBTQ community, but we have several other uh, programs that have their own initiatives that are really designed to promote a culture of diversity. Got it, got it. Um, so you told me that you inherited a team of eight and you've now grown your team to 18 people. So that's that's cool because you've only been there less than a year. Um, can you talk about your team and kind of how you organize your team? People always want to know like, oh, how does a marketing leader, especially one with such a such a like revenue oriented um, approach such as you, how do you, how do you organize your team? And then also, you know, how do you ensure that it is as diverse as possible? Yeah, I um, definitely have had a great team that I inherited and certainly grown the team over the last 
uh, six months or so. But when I came on board, uh, the group was actually fairly diverse. And so some of the uh, sort of conversations were around how do we sort of maintain and, and retain the culture and vibe of the team? There was already a strong sense of personal connection within the team, and there was some sense of diversity. And so really what I wanted to do is come in and build on that. And so I wanted to be very careful that I respected the culture that was there. I helped create you know, a safe place. And part of that came in for me as just being a leader who could be vulnerable with them and show that level of authenticity. And I think by, by doing that and showing that it's okay to, to be vulnerable and we are creating a safe place. And this is really um, you know, a place where we can not just work together, but build relationships and respect each other's differences. Um, that kind of organically grew into um, a culture that has just, I think, even gotten stronger. And so as we've grown from about nine to 18, um, we've all been very cognizant of kind of where we came from and where we, where we wanna go. And that's been just a core initiative kind of amongst my direct reports but also as we grow, um, you know, sort of within our managers and, and individual contributors, it's something that we're cognizant of across the team. And so we've got leaders that are focused on acquisition. We have leaders that are focused on operations. We have an, a dedicated team for expansion. And then we also have a strong focus on what we call kind of our trial strategy. Uh, we're a SaaS company. And so a big part of my role is to ensure that we have, um, you know, an adequate amount of trials that ultimately uh, turn into business for the company. But again, looking at that across the team, it wasn't just looking at the direct reports, it was looking at all the individual contributors and making sure that we had um, that culture and, and that safe place so that folks could bring their authentic self to work. Now, you talked about kind of proving and showing your own vulnerability and authenticity. Can you talk about a moment of that where where things kind of flip to the team embracing you and and feeling like you know you were one of the team and you were you were kind of you know part of the culture as well as you know growing the culture yeah um i think a great example of that would just be coming in again trying to respect that the team had been a team for about a year in their in their sort of current state and so coming in um, as somebody new, not just new to the company, but I was coming from Silicon Valley. This is a, a Midwest company. So mm -hmm. being very respectful of the values, if you will, of, of more of a Midwestern company than a Silicon Valley company. They are very different culturally. There are obviously some similarities, but, but clear, clear differences. And so I was cognizant of the fact that I was potentially coming into possibly a less diverse environment and, and possibly a less progressive environment. But I was actually surprised to find that that was not the case. And so coming in as a woman who is of the LGBT community, uh, I recently turned 50, like I've checked three of those boxes as far <laughs> as, you know, as far as, you know, diversity, um, you know, factors that um, I think are, are interesting to share. And, and some of those are obvious. Uh, I'm a woman, but some of those are not obvious, right? I would call this sort of those maybe invisible, um, you know, sort of diversity elements. And so I think sharing that and being authentic day one about who I am and my personal life and where I come from um, really set the stage for everybody on the team to feel like they can also be vulnerable and that this really is a safe place because this person's coming in and they're showing their vulnerability. So um, that I think uh, goes a long way. Yeah, wonderful. That's great. 
So let me ask you a, a question that might be a little bit, um, I don't know, provocative, but um, when do you think a company should kind of stretch the spec and hire somebody who brings a background that has not previously been represented at the company, even if their background is not as deep or as, you know, industry specific um, as some other candidates who are not as, you know, quote unquote, you know, diverse. I hate to say it that way, but, you know, but, but, but candidates that kind of, you know, are, are very consistent with the company, with what the company has had in the past. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I love that question. I think um, that really boils down to kind of a philosophy that, that I have around kind of culture fit versus culture ad. And I mm -hmm. think you can uh, translate that in a couple different ways. So obviously um, when you're hiring and looking for folks to uh, join the team, uh, there's folks that, you know, look and sound and act like you. And, and that's sort of a natural thing to do to look for folks that sort of fit in. But unfortunately what happens is that in itself kind of reinforces this lack of diversity. And so I think by kind of looking at that and, and looking past what might be kind of, you know, what looks on paper might be sort of the, the right background or even the right, um, you know, sort of qualities that you're looking for. I think you kind of, you kind of miss out on kind of what I would call kind of these, these net new perspectives, right? And so whether that's hiring somebody that comes from a different, um, you know, a different industry or potentially hiring somebody of a different cultural background, I think that in itself just opens the door for um, fresh perspective around how to look at problems and approach approach challenges. Um, I think when you look for that kind of culture ad, it actually helps managers determine how a candidate can kind of how their individuality actually could add value versus um, you know not just fitting in with with everybody else. And so I think by looking at that, um, you can actually make a company better and stronger because you're actually taking someone's differences versus their similarities, which is really what uh, adds kind of that, that, that true level of diversity within a company. Two, three years ago, um, our company looked very different than it does now. We've grown from 60 to 600 in the last two years. And so, wow. for example, if you were, and, and, yeah, and, and now we're going to double again. And so if you look at our, if you were to look at our leadership page on our website, for example, two years ago, um, you know, it would look, it would look like a lot you know, a lot of the folks would look very similar. And now what you're seeing now, if you look at the leadership page, you're seeing, you know, 50% women, you're seeing, you know, women of color. What you're not seeing is two executive leaders from the LGBTQ community. We have somebody on the leadership team that is, um, you know, differently abled. So those are those kinds of diversity things that, um, you know, I think are important to call out. And I think every company is at a different place in their evolution and their growth. And I'm really proud of what Active Campaign has done over the last, couple of years to really make that a focus effort and really not just, you know, talk the talk, but walk the walk. So, and one thing I've been thinking about, I'll just share this with you, that I've been thinking about with my interviews is, you know, we fling these questions at people and we are almost like looking for people who can kind of do well off the cuff. And would I attract a different a type of talent would, would a different type of talent get through the process more readily if I was like sending them the questions ahead of time like okay here are the topics I want to discuss and 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 then you know they can kind of prepare for it so that's a, one thing I've been thinking about but um 
but I'm curious to hear about how you interview and whether that is whether that whether you've you've noticed some some distinctions as you strive for a, a, a diverse team. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, you know thought around you know is there sort of inherent cultural bias in in the process? I think you, that's certainly you know certainly debatable, and I think that at Active Campaign, for example, we uh, we consider things like that, and we look at things like um, whether or not you know. Some of the challenges are around access and and is is there really you know fair access to the opportunity uh and part of that access includes you know any potential cultural biases so really the way i like to approach it is i assume that when somebody comes in for a role that they have the skills and that they've checked the boxes if you will um from a you know hard skill perspective and i'm really interviewing for soft skills and i'm interviewing for uh folks that have um you know open minds around people that aren't like them, uh, different ways of approaching problems. I'm looking for um, someone who has had potentially diverse experiences. I think, for example, one reason why my background was attractive to Active Campaign was not just the fact that I'd been at 10 or 11 startups, but also that growing up, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures. I was a Army brat, I moved 22 times in 18 years, and I was exposed to a lot of different kinds of people and cultures, which allowed me to appreciate that, but more importantly, assimilate and respect cultures that are different. Let's talk about a different type of diversity here. Um, do you think that at a, at a VP of marketing or a CMO level, that somebody could come into a SaaS company without knowing SaaS? But maybe they know the market and they they know marketing like have you seen that can you can you talk about that yeah i think absolutely um that can happen and i actually encourage that th those types of conversations i think there are definitely transferable skills uh, across the board and you know one thing for example that we're looking at we're a martech company and one thing we're looking at are folks who aren't from martech right even mm -hmm. the fact that uh, I was hired. I don't come from MarTech. I come from SaaS and I come from, you know, technology, but I don't come from MarTech. And so I think it's just one small example of how you can start to, you know, um, sort of open that up a little bit. But I think there's probably, you know, I would say four or five key traits that are transferable, regardless of what industry you're going to and from. I think obviously there's going to be other industries that um, are going to demonstrate values like leadership, right? And I think that is something that could be transferable across the board. So for example, uh, we're, we're a company that markets to S&D. And so we were actually talking to some individuals who worked at SMBs or worked at say, the local chamber of commerce or the local, um, you know, Elks Club, right? Yeah. And you might say, wow, that's a stretch. Like how could that person actually come into a staff company? and add value. Well, they've obviously got great problem solving skills. They um, are good at project management. They're working in environments where they have deadlines. They have to work with people every day, different types of people. Um, they might not know tech, but they're obviously creative. Um, they have to be good at interpersonal skills, given that they're kind of talking up and down, you know, the, the chain, so to speak. But I think there's definitely industries that have transferable skills where knowing tech is not necessarily something that's going to be, um, you know, a gap in, in your ability to add value. Mm, mm. That's really interesting. And um, 
I mean, but the, the, that example of the Chamber of Commerce thing, that's awesome. Um, was that a more junior person or a more senior person? That was actually a senior manager slash director role. Um, okay. And it was, and it was uh, a position that we felt like could benefit from the voice of our customer. And so, mm-hmm. again, our customer is not going to necessarily have tech, but this person was going to be able to give a unique perspective on, you know, again, the voice of our customer, which in itself is, uh, is obviously valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, let's talk as well about what emerging roles you are seeing that you think will change the shape of the B2B SaaS marketing team in the future. So, you know, typically, and this is partly, you know, where I was drilling before we were talking about your team structure. Uh, you know, there's a typical thing of like, you know, you have your head of marketing and then you have, you have your product marketing person under them and your demand gen person and your marketing ops person under them. Um, and maybe marketing ops is in revenue ops, you know, who knows. Um, but are there new roles, maybe it's your customer marketing type of role, expansion role that you've talked about, but, but that or other roles that you're seeing that you think we'll, we will be starting to see more of over time in the B2B SaaS uh, marketing world? Yeah, there's probably uh, some that are marketing and, and others that aren't, but I think you know, starting outside of marketing, you know, we've got roles like director of people, right, or chief, chief cultural officer, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't see that title two years ago. And yeah. so I do think that you know, company-wide, you're seeing more of a focus on culture and customer experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, chief customer experience officer is another one that I'm seeing. And so that, that to me tells me that there's a hyper focus on the personal element of how companies are engaging with people. Um, and I think, you know, three or four years ago, you just didn't see that. Um, I think within marketing, um, you know, there's all kinds of, of, of sort of new roles that are building out. There is sort of this revenue operations role. Even revenue marketing uh, is fairly new. Um, you know, three, four years ago, this title was, you know, customer acquisition or demand generation. Mm-hmm. And so coming into Active Campaign, for example, I spent, you know, a fair amount of time explaining how revenue marketing is different than just, you know, demand generation and, and, and not really kind of map back to the evolution of, of marketing itself and, and sort of the role of marketing and how that's changed. So I think as you see the evolution within, you know, the core functions themselves, like sales and marketing, you're going to see this natural evolution in titles and how we kind of, you know, frame th- that particular role. Um, mm. I think revenue operations is one that could fall in sales or marketing. Um, mm. But I think within marketing, you have things like, you know, chief evangelist, right? You've got, co- you know, chief content creator. Um, mm. We have a whole section on kind of customer and community. Uh, so, yeah, I think as, as companies become more uh, focused on the personal element, of that relationship with their with their customer, you're seeing this natural evolution of these titles that go kind of hand in hand with that. Yeah, yeah. I like your point is that it's just the core of it is how companies are engaging with people and whether that's internal with this whole culture and kind of like the evolution of HR to be a little bit more, yeah, going from protecting the company from employees to uh, creating a nurturing environment for those employees um to the, the the kind of external side of it and looking at customer experience um and i imagine you're on the vanguard just being at a customer experience um you know oriented company so it's, it's, it's a very cool job that you have i think and a and a and a, a kind of a 
uh, how do I say this, like a, a pedestal to speak from, or, you know, just, you know, you're, you're in this unique, um, you know, nexus to, to kind of have these views. Yeah, it, it really blends itself nicely. And the fact that we are a customer experience automation company, and we have core values, the first one, which is, um, you know, start with the customer. It's all about the customer. Um, that that is something that you just see sort of organically, you know, bleed into everything that we're doing, whether it's how we structure the titles of the roles, whether it's how we, you know, frame our language in terms of our values or just our tone and language. Like it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely something that you see throughout kind of how we live and breathe as a company. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Let me ask you about a different aspect of uh, diversity. Um, do you think we will have age quotas over time in tech or, or a focus on having people of a certain age in tech? Because it, it is kind of like the, I don't know, the silent, you talked about silent diversity or invisible diversity. And I, and I feel like it's the area of tech that hasn't been focused on that much. You know, we're, we're focusing a lot on gender and ethnic diversity, but age diversity has been like the thing that's been okay to, um, uh, okay to kind of put to the side for a lot of comp companies. So what are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I do think it's kind of that next frontier of, of sort of diversity that will, you know, naturally, you know, sort of come to the forefront, I think. You know, I, I turned 50 recently, and, and I never thought about this until I turned 50. <laughs> and so I think uh, there is definitely, um, you know, a different element to how you look at your job when, when you're older, but it's also, to your point, you're looked at differently. And I think there's a lot of benefits um, that potentially are overlooked when hiring older workers. And I think the question is, how do you kind of flip that script, right, versus inherently it's potentially seen as, uh, something that could be, you know, a risk or a liability. Mm. But actually, you know, you can flip the script and focus on things like, hey, actually, you know, they're not just bringing 10 years of experience, they're bringing, you know, 30 years of experience. Um, or, for example, um, they just have, you know, they've probably got a stronger network to their business. I mm. think, you know, obviously more experience in general. They've seen, I like to say, for example, when I came back to campaign, I haven't seen you know, this movie once or twice, I've seen this movie like 10 or 12 times. And yeah. so they can commit, they can come in and say, uh, I know it looks like that you probably want to take this path, but I've taken that path before. And let me tell you how it's going to end up. And mm. therefore you probably want to take, take this path. And so I think kind of, again, flipping that script and allowing that to be a benefit and, yeah. and really considered to be something of value uh, is often overlooked. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I, I like that idea, like seeing around corners, you know, because sometimes I have people that come to me and they'll say like, oh, I have 20 years of experience doing blah, blah, blah. But, you know, my first thought is, well, you could have 20 years of experience doing it in a really the same way that's kind of wrong or uninspired, or you could have two years of experience doing something in a really innovative way. So I like to get beyond the whole years of experience. I just I just don't think that helps marketers when there's such a focus on like what did somebody do yesterday and what what is what is now. So I like your view of like okay I've seen this movie multiple times and I can tell you you know the five different ways that this movie is going to play out. That's that's I think really valuable positioning. Um, so another question for you is on. Um, 
just uh, something I'm noticing. So I'm noticing that companies are kind of making a shift from, call it more sporadic diversity initiatives, um, to more systematic ones. Um, and can you talk about that? So I think this is the time to make diversity initiatives stick um, and, and be very empowered. And I'm starting to see some companies really put meat into these programs. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I would say about six or seven months ago, um, you know, active campaigns always been focused on diversity, but I think this is where we got very, um, to your point, structured and, and really intentional about how we wanted to make sure that diversity wasn't just, you know, a thing that we talked about, but something that we actually, you know, lived and breathed every day. And so about six months ago, we actually hired, um, believe it or not, we hired uh, somebody to run kind of our diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. Um, and this gentleman was a pastor at a park community church in Chicago, and he'd never been in tech. But more importantly, he was the founder and facilitator of Unfiltered Conversations, which is this fantastic organization that actually helps have some of these difficult conversations around diversity and, and really helps kind of, you know, bring a framework to organizations to help them understand racism and inequality, and also just how to think about and talk about uh, subjects that are difficult and, and not always, you know, and often hard, I should say. And so this gentleman uh, came on board and in combination with the leadership team and others really formulated um, some very intentional efforts around um, what diversity, equity, and inclusion means at Active Campaign. So for example, we created employee resource groups which are basically what we kind of call mini tribes that help connect kind of identity and leaders who share kind of, you know, a particular, um, you know, a particular um, sort of connectedness. So for example, we have, we have active, actively Latin, we have actively black, we have active, active, actively pride. Um, we have uh, women of active campaign. And so we have very dedicated, groups of people who are coming together to actually help promote some of these initiatives. And more importantly, it's not just the employees, but their executive sponsors that help drive these initiatives. So it actually builds a bridge between the employees and the executive leadership team. So for example, I'm the executive sponsor for Actively Pride. And so it really kind of serves two purposes. It allows obviously this initiative to be talked about and discussed and, um, you know, um, sort of given it its care and feeding, but more importantly, it actually builds that bridge between leadership and, uh, and the employees. Um, we also have formal kind of monthly DEI meetings where we actually have open conversations about diversity and equity. And we talk about what does DEI mean to you? And they're very, um, they're very open conversations and they allow everybody to have a seat at the table to talk about uh, to talk about these these conversations and I think most importantly Trevor who leads these initiatives he the gentleman that I mentioned who actually is a, was a, one of the founders and facilitators of unfiltered conversations he actually has brought that framework into active campaign and he holds sessions that talk about things like understanding racism in America, talks about his diversity story, talks about, you know, difficult conversations around um, racial identity development and what does it mean to be, you know, um, you know, 
not white in America, if you will. And so I think by bringing in that fresh perspective, it's really allowed the company to be intentional about how we talk about it. Uh, we don't just, you know, talk about it and then sort of move on. It, it's now ingrained in our culture. And it's everything from, you know, volunteering uh, through something we call active impact, which helps us kind of, you know, uh, expose ourselves to other parts in, uh, of, you know, the city and cultures, all the way to internally we have a thing called Donut, where we actually randomly connect two employees that are very different for lots of different reasons and create open conversations with them to have one-on-one -on -one, what we call uh, virtual coffee uh, mm -hmm. to talk openly and honestly about, you know, their different perspectives and backgrounds. That's great. Cool. Thank you for sharing. I love this idea of a pastor, you know, turned DEI person. It makes total sense. Um, love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, we're coming up on time. So I have one final question for you, Jenny. Um, what is your advice on the one thing another marketing leader at a, uh, a company uh, that's a B2B SaaS company should do to ensure diversity? Yeah, I think it boils back to kind of our initial, uh, our initial point, which is really look for culture ad, don't look for culture fed. And I think when you do that, it just naturally and organically will create and reinforce diversity. Um, and by look again, by looking for that ad versus that fit, you're you're changing the conversation. You're again flipping the script around. You know, not necessarily hiring folks that are cut from the same cloth. And by doing that, that in itself will inherently create not just diversity, but a team and a culture that allows folks to feel heard uh, and allows folks to bring their authentic self to work. Because what happens is they look around the room or the virtual room and they see people that look like them or they see people they can identify with. And therefore they have, they now have a sense of feel, feeling included and heard. And that just naturally will feed on itself and, and organically grow and evolve in a positive way. Great. Thank you so much for sharing. This has been fabulous to kind of uh, take a, a little bit of a peek into your world, your world, your life, your, your career, your organization. Um, fabulous. Thank you so much, Jenny, and great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today for The Get. Join us next time with another guest. Till then, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify so you don't miss a thing.